Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves and KP. I left my heart in Puerto Rico. Backlash <laughs> is in the books. The draft is complete. Night of Champions is on the horizon. The NXT champion Carmelo Hayes is joining the show today. KP, how you feeling? I'm great. We've an awful lot to be excited about today, pal. We really, really do. And listen, if you're on your phone now... I never know if you're looking at Bad Bunny's entrance again or whether you're tweeting for Trish Stratus. What's it going to be? I'm a busy guy, KP. Ordinarily in WWE, we have these, these tent pole events, these times of year where things sort of ramp up and start going full speed ahead. I feel like since we jumped on the road to WrestleMania at Royal Rumble, it's been 100 miles an hour, full speed ahead, nonstop. It included this weekend in Backlash. And again, Right off the top of the show, I'm saying, yeah, this amazing thing just happened this past weekend, and we're already looking ahead. I'm at the point now where, professionally speaking, I feel like I'm in the air, in an aircraft, high above at 37,000 feet, and I'm looking, and I know in my head we're going 500-something miles an hour, but the world's just kind of casually creeping by below. That's how life inside WWE feels right now, and I love it. What about that Puerto Rican crowd gravy? How do you sum it up from sitting ringside? Listen, I, I know people have had a few days to marinate on this now. If we're dropping this on Friday, if you're watching a week later, uh, Backlash in Puerto Rico was one of the most exciting events I've ever been a part of as part of WWE. There were numerous moments where I looked at Michael Cole beside me and we just had that ear-to-ear -ear grin like, wow, we're living this. You mentioned Bad Bunny's entrance. I will say this, Bad Bunny's entrance was one of the most incredible things that I have ever experienced in my life. Being in the arena and hearing a sold out, it was at 18,000 plus, scream every word to his entrance music and just the, the atmosphere, I can't adequately explain it. You saw it on TV, millions of people around the world watched it. But for those of us who were lucky enough to be inside the building, we always use hyperbole and say it's rocking. Oh, man, it sounds like the roof's going to blow off this place. In that moment, had the roof literally detached from Coliseo de Puerto Rico, no one would have been surprised. It was unreal. And it wasn't just Bad Bunny. It wasn't just a one-match show. And Bad Bunny, this is a discussion I'm sure we'll have down the line somewhere, made a strong case for himself being perhaps the best celebrity competitor we've ever had in WWE. I'm sure Logan Paul will take note, but Bad Bunny, man, that dude delivered on a level I don't think anybody expected. So I heard Mark Henry say that um, during the week, and he talked about Bad Bunny and grabbing the ropes and the emotion that, that was just oozing from Bad Bunny's veins, and everybody could see that. What made it so special for you watching Bad Bunny? Because that is high praise, because we've, we've absolutely gone out of our way to applaud everything Logan Paul has done in a WWE ring to put Bad Bunny alongside Logan Paul, who's a physical specimen in his own right. What made it so special? Well, I, I referenced it briefly uh, during, during the, the event. Bad Bunny is one of, if not the biggest stars in the entertainment space right now, globally speaking. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I heard an analogy this week uh, when we were in Puerto Rico. It's something similar in magnitude to Back in the early days of WrestleMania that were very, very heavily star laden, you had your Liberace's and Stevie Wonder and Cyndi Lauper and all these big time stars being part of it. If you were to draw that same comparison, this would, I think, be more similar to having someone the caliber of a, a Michael Jackson or a Beyonce. Queen, yeah, Queen in the 70s, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that red hot in the entertainment world being part of WWE. So just his appearance in and of itself was valuable, right? When Bad Bunny was hosting, people were excited. People were like, that's cool. We're going to go to Puerto Rico. Bad Bunny's going to get the people wound up. He's going to have a good time. But for Bunny to perform the way he did, and also massive kudos to Damian Priest, because everyone's talking about Bad Bunny, but it takes two to tango in this game. And Priest raised his own stock to a whole new level, even in defeat, uh, because the crowd was salivating. The crowd was biting on each and every near fall. Emotional investment was at an all-time high. Watching Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, who basically had a few weeks leading up to this. This wasn't some long-term storytelling that culminated after years of fans wanting to see this. It happened 
you know, the night after WrestleMania, Bad Bunny gets involved again, and we see him, what, two times before the match? The match happens and blows the roof off the place. But Bunny's timing in the ring, his the, the emotion he conveyed and elicited simultaneously, that takes most people years to master if they ever get there. And I have no doubt it's due to his full-time job, his real job, if you want to call it that, of being an entertainer and and playing stadiums and headlining Coachella and all these massive events. Bunny's a star, man, in every sense of the word, but he took this seriously. And that's the difference. We've had big-time celebrities pop by because they're promoting a movie or we'll do something, hey, we'll do a backstage skit or, hey, watch our new show that's streaming on whatever platform. And that's cool. There's a place for that in the business. But Bunny put in the time. Bunny, he put in the work, the training, and, and the respect that Bad Bunny shows our business, I think, holds the most weight of anything that he does. Because he doesn't come in, I mean, he's a star. He, got, he has demands. I'm sure Bunny called a few shots and liked things a certain way. You, you, you want to make the star happy. But the, the reverence and the love and the passion that Bad Bunny has for what we do and has his whole life been very open Bunny's just living a dream. Isn't it funny how no matter what your lot in life is, you're always fascinated by something else that you don't get a chance to do. Like, like for me, you and I know, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, right? And I get excited. And, and when you want to know like what Corey Graves, the human being gets excited about, yes, I get excited about WWE and I love the wrestling business and all things about it, but I've never really had the opportunity to be part of the, the major league baseball world. And so to have a little glimpse here and there or something, that's exciting to me. I'm like, oh man, what would you do? Graves, if you had your druthers, you could have any job in the world. If you could leave WWE tomorrow, what would it be? And I say, well, if I could be the voice of the pirates or the Yankees, I'd, I'd think about it. You know, uh, obviously I'm, I'm speaking as a fan, not a legitimate businessman. Cause there comes the dirt sheets. Corey Graves <laughs> would leave WWE <laughs> for major league baseball. He said it, guys. He said it. I'm just making a point here, you know. And Kevin, I'm sure you have stuff. I know you're you're a big soccer football fan, right? Yeah, of course. Listen, we're dreamers. We're dreamers. I'd love to one day kick a football with Lionel Messi. Listen, this is you'd love to to step up and bat for the Pittsburgh Pirates at one stage in a dream scenario, of course. And for Bad Bunny to be there in that moment as Carlito comes out, as Savio Vega comes out, to, to to witness that moment with. Bad Bunny putting on the LWO shirt and that image of the current LWO, the new LWO and the flashbacks then to to decades ago with Eddie Guerrero. It was just so cool. And that's exactly it. You've made a brilliant point because he's dominating in every single aspect of his life. And the one thing that he absolutely loves as much as anything is WWE from his time as a kid growing up in Vega Baja. So for Bad Bunny to be able to step in and produce what he produced, Graves, it was just marvelous. Going through the table, the entrance with the... the (laughs) shopping cart full of toys, as you said. That was all part of the entrance and the the drone shots and the crane shots that we had. Apparently, you know, there was this young kid driving the drone. I was speaking to one of the the crew members from WWE who said like the, the operator of the drone camera was a young guy who was just so good. And it was like playing a video game and he's driving the drone outside the stadium and watching on for me to see the drone go through the arena and to see the crowd react the way they did. It was a spectacular event. And we were absolutely right in what we said. Thank you, Puerto Rico, because you helped provide a momentous occasion. I completely agree with everything you said, KP. Bad Bunny certainly stole the show with Damian Priest, which is quite the testament to how much fun that entire match was. You mentioned Savio Vega. You mentioned Carlito. The energy was absolutely unbelievable but elsewhere on the card we had a banger between bianca belair and eo sky we talk about star making performances i think eo needed that match and i think the wwe universe certainly got to see a little more of what she's capable of uh, I, i'm excited to watch them run it back i don't think that issue's completely resolved uh you had the great six-man tag and of course the match that ended the night brock lesnar cody rhodes and just when it seemed that Cody had finally met his match and that there was no way the American Nightmare was going to be able to overcome the beast, Cody switches his weight, stacks Lesnar, locked in a Kimura, a horror movie scene inside the ring. Lesnar leaking, as the kids say. But Cody emerged victorious. That was the takeaway from the Backlash Premium Live event. But Far be it from any of us to assume that the issue was resolved because Monday night, you and I were ringside. The draft had been completely in effect. New rosters in effect. World Heavyweight Championship Tournament in full swing. And that's when Brock decided to strike back. 
But we, we should go back a second to Backlash because the, the feeling was, and you said this at the very start of Monday Night Raw, you didn't say that Cody Rhodes slayed the beast. You said that Cody Rhodes survived the beast. Correct. And the feeling I had watching Backlash, when Cody Rhodes got out of Dodge, I mean, he, he, he wins the match. He somehow, like Michael Cole said, pops the hips. You said use the, Brock's body weight against him. He pins the beast and he gets out of there as quickly as possible. The referees get out of there as quickly as possible. As the bewildered and bloodied Brock Lesnar sits in the ring and you could tell he, he's going to turn into a savage. Also, let's play in the fact that Brock Lesnar does, as you always say, whatever the hell Brock Lesnar wants. And Brock Lesnar is a free agent. So there was just this eerie feeling about it that, yes, Cody, you may have survived this, but at what point is it going to come back to haunt you? I just didn't feel it would be 48 hours later at a moment when Cody was about to win and qualify for the semifinal in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Like he was a second away from winning and heading into that match with Seth freaking Rollins. What stood out most to me actually didn't occur to me until after Raw went off the air and I was back in the hotel and was able to watch it back because I was standing behind Brock after Brock put Cody through our table. And I know you were in front and you had the, the you actually said to me on the drive back to the hotel, you said, man, that was intense. That was scary. I couldn't see Brock. So I watched it back on, on my phone in my hotel room and my God, Cody Rhodes Kudos to you because you did something nobody else has somehow been able to do in the past, and that's make Brock Lesnar even more horrifying than he already was. Lesnar with a black eye and staples in his forehead and just that weird tone that he spoke to Cody with. He wasn't shouting and screaming like a man of his size. It was cold-blooded. It was chilling. I was terrified of Brock Lesnar, having known how the segment ended. I knew what happened. I knew Brock would make the challenge and, and walk off. I watched Rod just like everybody. But watching it back, man, there was something different about Brock, and it was scarier than ever. And, and I hate using this as a comparison, but something about Brock stands out above and beyond all the rest. And I say this with all due respect to everyone on the roster. There's just something about Brock Lesnar that you can't doubt. You can't deny. You can't look and go, well, yeah, you know, he's probably going to go back to the hotel and have a beer after. No, you can't help but believe that Brock Lesnar is out for blood. Because he's the most decorated combat sports athlete to ever grace God's green earth. Yeah, but, right? but um, it's so, different so, though. Look, we've got 100%. so many, we've got so many people with credentials from yep. the MMA world. We've got Ronda Rousey, for God's sake. We've got Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle competed in UFC. I mean, you've got, I mean, countless amateur gangsters. You know what I mean? As far as I mean, Chad Gable is an Olympian. You've got Otis up on the, uh, Cody Rhodes has an extensive amateur background. Credentials are one thing. I agree with you, but there's just something intangible that you can't take away from looking at a list of accolades or looking at a wall full of trophies or medals. It's something inherent in Brock. Like he's something a little bit more or perhaps less evolved than human. When you call Brock the beast, maybe he's more like the missing link between cavemen and what we know today. And that's that, that sanguineous energy that he possesses and that Brock doesn't care. Brock doesn't care about social media. Brock doesn't care about what the internet says about him. Brock doesn't care about anything, but what his bank account looks like and what he wants to do next. And that translates through the screen. And if that doesn't scare you, man, nothing will. So in that moment, I left folks in here a little bit. Security right behind us were pushing back the fans because there was a genuine sense that this savage could do something that could really hurt someone. And that's the feeling I had. The feeling I was, I was this, is, this is horrifying. You know, the way he was grabbing Cody, like <laughs> this wasn't entertainment. There was nothing entertaining no. about this. The way he was grabbing Cody Rhodes and Cody Rhodes couldn't get the air out of his, out of his lungs it was frightening. And, you know, he still hasn't explained why he did what he did, Corey, on the Raw after WrestleMania. But he let us in a little bit in that kind of, I don't even know what to call what he did on Monday. I mean, he let us in though. He said, I want to talk about me, me. So clearly Brock has some sort of fascination and infatuation with Cody Rhodes and the build-up to WrestleMania and the hype around Cody Rhodes. And you just wonder, has it taken something from Brock that he wants back? I don't disagree with you. 
but can I maybe, from my perspective, simplify my takeaway and what this is all about? And you may be right. It might have been about the match order. We've hinted at it on the air that maybe that's why Brock was upset. I'm going to go back to the, the old Pat McAfee quote. Brock Lesnar is the alpha male of our species. Brock Lesnar sees a new top dog. And until you're watching on YouTube on Monday, uh, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers for those of you just listening. A top dog on Monday Night Raw in the form of Cody Rhodes in that Cody's been getting the accolades. Cody's face is everywhere. Cody is, is being portrayed as a top guy in WWE. Brock doesn't like that. There's only room for one. And at its very base, that's what I think this is about. Brock is still the guy. And Brock will destroy anybody who thinks that they can be the guy while Brock is still around. While there is still breath in Brock Lesnar's lungs, Brock will insist on being the guy. Which leads me to my next point, because as Brock walked away from the crime scene he left at ringside, there was a moment where the Beast glanced across the stage at the new World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Lesnar not involved in the tournament, but if I'm Seth Rollins... (laughs) Or if I'm whoever will face Seth Rollins, which we'll find out tonight on Friday Night SmackDown, who will advance to Night of Champions on May 27th. If I'm Lesnar, or I'm sorry, if I'm Rollins or whomever Seth's opponent will be, I'm nervous. Because I at least have an inkling that whoever walks out of Night of Champions as the new world heavyweight champion, you're going to have a big, nasty, angry beast hunting you down. And for me, honestly, my, my, my feeling coming away from that was, I don't know if Brock Lesnar cares as much about becoming the new world heavyweight champion or whether he cared more about Rune and Cody's plans. And that's the feeling I had was that just, I've taken Cody away from this. Like he's not going near this right now. I've derailed all his hopes. And that satisfaction that he took from that w- was very obvious. He's a frightening, frightening human being. And in that moment, the desk was, was, was torn to pieces. My notes, your notes torn to pieces. And we were shook. And I said it to you during the commercial break. I was like, wow. And you said, I couldn't see his face. And I said, Corey, that was intense. Um, I've never experienced anything like that. And I've heard an awful lot of people that have been following Brock's career closely say they've never seen that level of intensity from Brock Lesnar. It could be an ugly, ugly scene at Night of Champions when Cody and the Beast face off. And as far as what we know as of this moment in a fight, Lesnar doesn't want a wrestling match. Lesnar wants a fight. Well, you said it, Corey. Cody, you've got a family. Like, Cody exactly. might want to think this one through. I hold Cody Rhodes in the highest of regards. You know all the love I have for Cody and the entire Rhodes family. This one, man, I, I, I would never be the guy to tell Cody how to live his life or how to make his professional decisions because he's batting a thousand right now, especially recently. But man, this is a scary, scary scene. But again, we mentioned that the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament kicked off and Seth freaking Rollins, who called his shot several weeks back, delivered. Who's it going to be? You got to look down the the landscape. I know all we can do is speculate, but it's going down tonight. We'll know in a matter of hours who will oppose Seth freaking Rollins at Night of Champions. When you look at at the six from the SmackDown side, who you got? You know, it's funny because you've got an awful lot of former WWE champions there. Um, you've got two Hall of Famers in Edge and Rey Mysterio on the same side of the bracket in the first match, uh, along with AJ Styles. Yes, look at stop, that. For, stop, yeah, stop for a second that. and just just think about what you just said. Yeah. That match is happening on free television. <laughs> two Hall of Famers and one future, surefire, no doubt about it. AJ Styles is going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Three of the best of all time in one match. The other match, Sheamus, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Another main event, man. A banger in the way. How in the high making. hitting is that? Oh my God. Seamus and Lashley. Give me some of that. Even <laughs> at the end of maybe next, next event at night of champions, hell SummerSlam, Seamus and Lashley, those two behemoths beating the hell out of each other. Sign me up. You know, the, the crazy thing is you talk about favorites and we've joked about on this show before about if we were betting men, right? Uh, where do you even go with something like this tonight? Even Monday, you know, I'm looking at a guy like the Miz and I'm like, should he be favorite? Should he be the underdog? Given his career, given all, how savvy and how methodical and how cunning the Miz can be, I'm like, where could he, he could easily win this. Seth Rollins, the man to emerge. But in terms of tonight, <laughs> I haven't got a clue, pal. I have no idea who's going to come out of this. And the way triple threats work, obviously, you could be removed from the scene. You're not pinned, you're not submitted, and you're gone. 
I completely agree with you. I was just trying to get you to give a pick so that if okay. it was wrong, All I right. could make fun of you next week. No, you don't have to. You, no, you beat me at my own one. game, KP. I'm going to go Bobby Lashley. All right. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think uh, Lashley would look fantastic with the gorgeous new World Heavyweight Championship around his waist. We will see how that all whoa, whoa, whoa. shakes out. Who you got? Out. Who you got? Come on. I, I didn't want to give a pick because if I'm wrong, I don't, you know me, I don't like to be wrong. I'm never wrong. Give us a thought. I don't speculate. Then. All right. Perfect world. Perfect scenario. Wrestling fan in me. One last run for the rated R superstar. Edge Rollins at Night of yes. Champions. Because on this very podcast, Edge himself stated there's still a little unfinished business between him and the visionary main event anywhere around the world. And I think it was in Saudi Arabia. In fact, yes, I know it was in Saudi Arabia that the classic Rollins edge hell in a cell match went down. There's any way to raise the bar. Those two can do it in the desert, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I cannot wait to see who emerges the new world heavyweight champion. But KP, while we're talking champions, I would be remiss to not mention the man who carries the flag For NXT these days, he is the NXT champion and our guest at this time, Carmelo Hayes. NXT champion Carmelo Hayes, we are buzzing to have you here on ATB. And look, before we get into your championship reign, your massive match to come against Braun Breaker at Battleground, we've just been talking about the new World Heavyweight Championship. Seth freaking Rollins has advanced to Night of Champions tonight on Friday Night SmackDown we got six amazing superstars doing battle, including two Hall of Famers. You got any prediction as to who's going tonight at Champions and who's going to be the new World Heavyweight Champion? Man, I thought my boy Cody was going to do it. I thought Cody was going to do it, man. Um, I wanted to come down to Cody and Seth uh, one more time, but uh, I'm rooting for AJ, man. I think I'm really rooting for AJ. I'm excited to see that triple threat. I, thought, I think a lot of people are excited to see that triple threat. Uh, AJ, uh, Edge, and Ray. Uh, on the ring at the same time. I don't think they've ever been in the same ring together. Uh, that and then Sheamus, uh, was Sheamus, Bobby, and, uh, and Theory. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one, too. I don't know if Theory needs it. You know what I mean? I think because, you know, he's doing great with the U.S. title. You know, I'd like to see Bobby get the win on that one, to be honest. Uh, you know, it'd be cool if it came down to maybe like Bobby and AJ and AJ and uh, and Seth in the, in the finals, I think would be in uh, Saudi would be great. Yeah, no complaints from me if that's how it shakes out, man. I think that's a blessing for all of us. No, Everybody wins if that if that's how it works out. But you mentioned how you, you think Theory doesn't need the United States Championship, and it, it kind of makes me think of sort of your, your growth and your journey in NXT. You now sit as the kingpin of NXT, as the reigning NXT champion. You've, you're the, the one man, I believe, who's held all of the singles championships in NXT. But your journey wasn't an overnight success. You sort of took it step by step by step. Start me back at the beginning, man. Let, let's go back to when Carmelo Hayes first arrived in NXT. What was your goal? What was your mentality? And how have you grown in the years since? I knew when I first got there, I, I wanted to be something different. I remember uh, Black and Gold era. and Everybody talks about, like, you know, romanticized that Black and Gold era so much. And it was great and it was awesome in the peak. But uh, right after the whole thing with COVID and in that, you know, kind of Thunderdome era of, of WWE and NXT, it was kind of on a decline in a way. And I remember watching the show as like a brand new signee. And I'm thinking, man, there's so much missing here that I feel like I could bring to this show. Like there just needs to be something like, like nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing this. I'm like, man, I, I just need, I just need the opportunity. So I had worked hard for like four or five months in the, uh, performance center just to, you know just getting ready and working like the uh little live event shows that we have and uh finally they gave me a shot they gave me my name and then two days later they gave me a shot uh against Kushida for the cruiserweight title in my debut and uh after that match I had done really well but I remember talking to Hunter after I was like man I know I could do so much better da, 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 da. and then I remember talking to Sean and this is a story that I've told a couple times and just telling Sean straight up I said man I really want to be a top guy. I don't want to get like nothing wrong with 205 live. I said, but I know I'm undersized, but I don't want to be a 205 live guy. Like I see more for myself. And uh, Sean will even tell you to this day that he kind of respected that I had the boss to, to come out to him and tell him that. And here we are. So, but you know, I bet on myself in that very moment. And that was something that I just believed. It was like, you know, I know I have a lot to offer for this brand. And just give me the ball. How did you keep your your head level 
I, I remember being in the performance center. I was in all the way back to FCW days at developmental and it can be frustrating and it can be groundhog day and you wake up and it's training and it's the gym and it's the same stuff over and over again. And here's a guy in Carmelo Hayes who knows what he wants. You see the light at the end of the tunnel, but on the journey, how'd you keep yourself sane? It's funny you say that because you'll win a championship and then go back to 830 a.m. <laughs> uh, gym or ring. So you're, you're on top of the world and then it's like the next day you're just back at it. Um, but as far as staying level-headed, uh, I was kind of living in the moment in a sense where I wasn't getting ahead of myself. Uh, I knew there was something bigger to come, but I didn't focus on, you know, the goal as much as I focused on the present and, and how I can make what, what's in front of me, you know, the best that I possibly can. Don't get me wrong. Like, I was always thinking of, like, man, down the road, down the road. But in the in the meantime, because you're right, man, it, it, low-key, it is kind of Groundhog Day. Uh, because we go, you know, it's like a nine to five in a lot of ways, but I never let that get to me in that sense. I don't, and that's a good question because I never thought about it out loud, but yeah, yeah, it can be a little bit. Yeah, it can be a little bit. Leave it to grizzled old graves to poison the minds <laughs> of the, the up and coming NXT superstars. Nah, no, because it's a feeling that you feel, but you never really understand it. But yeah, it's Groundhog Day. And, but luckily, like my journey has been like, one step, two step, three step. You know what I mean? I'm sure a lot of people have back and forth and it's right. harder. So I've been fortunate. And that's that's why it stands out to me because it's been incremental growth. The NXT fans have watched the growth and the evolution of Carmelo Hayes. Sure, you're a star the first time you see on screen. Then the pairing with Trick comes to be and we're getting a lot more screen time, a lot more mic time. And then you're delivering unforgettable matchups, you know, regularly at, at premium live events or, or the, the NXT specials. Um, it's a real testament to to letting the process sort of play out. That's why I was curious as to to how you kind of kept your kept your sanity during all that. Yeah, and a lot has to do with Sean and everybody. You know what I mean? Him helping me, and a lot of the coaches helping me and stuff. But I'm always I'm always just trying to get better. So I think that that has a lot to do with it too. Where it's like I never felt like I was good enough, even not good enough, but I never felt like it was. I always felt like I could be doing better. So I was always on the pursuit to kind of like, all right, man, how can I top that? How can I top that? How can I top that? And I think that that drove me further than I realized. And now I'm saying it out loud to you. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably how I got through all that. Just trying to progress, you know? <laughs> yeah. T tell us a little bit more about the self-discovery process of, of, of realizing who Carmelo Hayes is. Who is Carmelo Hayes for you and, and the process of becoming this character that you are today? Yeah. When I came in, I had so much confidence in myself. Um, I've always had confidence in myself, but I, I tell a story about a lot of times, like you have to fake it till you make it. And uh, coming into the WWE system, not knowing pretty much how anything works here. Um, and you're there with a bunch of OGs, especially like when I had started, it was, you know, the, the Coles and Gorganos and, and Champas and, you know, really OGs and, and Samoa Joe and them. So, you know, I had confidence, but it had to be kind of quiet um, just because I knew I was like, ah, no, 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 I'm not where I need to be yet. So I just needed the opportunity to be able to express myself and, and express my confidence out loud. And um, I think that has a lot to do with my character. It's truly me. But at the same time, it's like in real life, you know, you would never talk about yourself and your accomplishments and stuff. But on TV and in, in this wrestling world, you know what I mean? People love it. People, you know, talk, talk your talk. People want to hear you talk, you know, your confidence. So that was the biggest thing for me as far as like my character development was being able to express my confidence out loud um, and then back it up. That's a big thing too, man. Like you, you could have it. You might not be able to back it up. It's like, thankfully I've been able to, you know, talk my crap and then back it up on the back end. So I'm still, I'm still developing, developing it because I thought I knew a lot. I realized I don't. I'm still like trying to figure it out, man. Every, you know, Unicorn, you, know, you Isn't know. It funny, man. The, the, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you already yeah. knew. <laughs> and I, I hit that wall recently and I was like, man, I got a lot more to learn. So I'm on that journey now, still figuring out Carmelo is. What do you mean you hit the wall? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I don't want necessarily the, the wall, but Corey, you know, like when you think you have it figured out, you're like, ah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And then something happens. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, man. No, nah, no, nah, that was a reality check. I, yeah. I, I yeah. need some more work. The good news is those never stop. <laughs> So, so if I can, if I can issue a fair warning, one of these days when, when we're working together on Mondays or Fridays, just beware, they never stop. <laughs> no, I needed it. I needed it. Cause you know, it can't all be like rainbows and butterflies. You know, you got to kind of have 
you know, moments like that. So it was humbling. That's important. Hey, Melo, you casually dropped the name Hunter. And you said, Sean, we're talking about Triple H here. We're talking about Sean Michaels, Hall of Famers, absolute legends. How have they helped you and, and nurtured you uh, throughout your career so far? Man, I've been so fortunate to have a good relationship with those guys uh, from the get-go. Um, I know Sean was one who was like pulling for me early on, uh, who wanted to just get me in front of Triple H. Um, and then you know, Triple H, he kind of gave him like the seal of approval on me. Uh, when I worked with Kushida and they gave me the trust to work with Adam Cole and um, the whole stuff with the breakout tournament, um, you know, I think they saw like, okay, well, we, you know, have something here, Um, which, you know, like I said, I believed in myself. And I think a lot of times when you believe in yourself and and you express that, then they're like, all right, if he believes in himself, then all right, we'll we'll give him a shot. Hopefully we're not wrong. And uh, it's been my goal to make sure I, I prove that they were not wrong about, you know, running with me. So, uh, but but Sean and I, like, it's day-to-day, you know what I mean, where he's constantly just, you know, checking in as far as, like, hey, man, you need to do this better or or don't do this. Just trust me on this. And sometimes I get ahead of myself. And, I, you know, like I said, Corey, like, sometimes you think you know. I don't know anything. You know what I mean? I never freaking did WrestleMania. You know, Sean's like, look, I know I don't look like Sean Michaels from before, sexy boy, but I'm still that guy. Like, you got to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to trust in me. Uh, so that's, that's like that relationship with Sean is great. And then Hunter, uh, every time I see Hunter, he's always very, like very warm to me. Um, I haven't really got to sit down and talk to him in a while, but I'm looking forward to him when I, when I get up there to have a good conversation. We're talking relationships. Talk to us a little bit about Trick Williams and what Trick has brought to the, the entire package that is the presentation of Carmelo Hayes. Yeah. Trick is such a big character. It's like, it's hard to explain like, uh, when you put him on screen, you put him next. You put him next to anybody. It's like automatically makes the it just lights up the room in a way. So I think Trick right, with, right. with my character because I'm pretty chill and I'm pretty I'm pretty mellow. Um, he adds that sort of like flavor and seasoning and like and life to everything that we do, um, which I'm super fortunate for with Trick and uh, also too like with uh, my matches and stuff. He's always like a good. You know, we have a lot of good chemistry where <laughs> I have like a, you know, passing the ball, he can, he can shoot it up, but then I can go rebound it. That type of relationship where it's like, if I need him, he's there. He got me in any situation. Um, and I'm just so happy, like his progression, because, uh, you know, when he first came in, he was really new. A lot of these guys here, man, really, really new. So it's just like to see his match with Brown Breaker on Tuesday and how far, you know, he's progressed. It makes me proud. Because um, he's so close to me in a way, especially with on TV and stuff. It's like it's a testament to all of our hard work to get to this point, make two stars in out of one situation. Graves, I've said it to you in the car before about Trick Williams. We've had him on main event. Uh, I'm a big fan. I thought he was great on Tuesday night against Braun Breaker again. Um, but he's just he, his enthusiasm is infectious, you know. And as someone as that grizzled old vet gravy, I know you look for that, don't you? And, and Trick certainly has that. Oh, absolutely. I think the world of Trick. I've gotten to know Trick fairly well over the past few months, heading down to NXT and working working with those guys and girls. And uh, I, I think the world of Trick. I think he's I think he's a star waiting to happen, man. I mean, he's a star yeah. already, but I, I think there's big things in the future. Absolutely. But you mentioned, you also mentioned Braun Breaker, the man from whom you captured the NXT championship. We'll talk about Braun in a minute and your big rematch coming up. I want to go back to WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania Saturday, the Crypto.com Arena you one-on-one versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship to kick off WrestleMania weekend, WrestleMania Saturday. We talked a little bit about your journey and, and how you've known where you wanted to go, where you wanted to be. What did it feel like to experience the culmination of all of that on WrestleMania weekend in Los Angeles in a, a packed Crypto.com arena in front of that atmosphere? Yeah, uh, when I was doing media that whole week leading up to that, it was just getting realer. The more I was talking about it, it was just getting realer and realer and realer. It was almost like, oh my God, don't psych myself out. Because everyone put it just like that, man, main event, kicking off WrestleMania weekend, sold out crib. I'm like, oh man, you guys are, I wasn't thinking about all this. Like, But uh, but no, I just felt ready. I think that was the biggest thing like, going into it. I didn't feel like the moment was bigger than me. Um, I didn't allow it to kind of, you know, like I, I took that pressure with ease, I think. Uh, and I was actually very impressed with how well, I adapted under that. Um, there's a lot of things that I wish I had done better because I'm a perfectionist. Um, but the moment... Are you one of those guys that... Do, do you watch your matches back or do you not? So I will for, like, tape study purposes. 
Um, but I always see so many things, man, that I'm like, I know better. You know, you you know better sometimes, but you don't do better. And it's like, man, like I shouldn't, you know, that's another story. And that's off record type stuff. But um, but yeah, so the moment was great. Uh, really, it was one of those things where, you know, you always say, like, I need to stop and take this in. And I need to like, really, I did. I actually did. So like, I remember like thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. Just, just, just hold it right here. And 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 look, you know what I mean, and breathe this in because you don't get a lot of, you know, first like that. And a lot of people don't ever get to experience that. Um, so it was just a freaking beautiful moment. And uh, and winning the title, too, was like the, you know what I mean, the, like, man. Had Icing the, on the cake. Man. You know, like, I had the, all, all three of the titles at that point, and I'm not one of those, like, oh, I want champ, you know what I mean? But having the championship, it, it's a sign of trust. It's a sign of, you know what I mean? Hey, you know, we're going to go with you, all your hard work, here you go type of thing. And, and I don't know if that's saying too much or not. But. No, no, I, I, I was actually going to ask you more about that because it's it's cliche. I'm not going to uh, quote Spider-Man here, but, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That is that is truth when it comes to championships in WWE, especially NXT. And we just got through the WWE draft and the rosters on on all the main shows now look very different, including NXT. Now, as you sit as the kingpin of NXT, what does the future of NXT look like under the reign of Carmelo Hayes? One of the things is, like, I noticed there's so many studs still left on the roster. Uh, there's so many good guys that, you know, can have that black and gold era type style that people always say that they miss and they want. Um, so I look forward to having those type of matches with guys. Like, there's so many guys, Dijak, Dragon Lee, Ilya Dragunov, Tyler Bate. Wesley still, you know what I mean? And I know I'm forgetting names, but there's so many good guys on that roster. I just want to have great matches with all of them uh, during this reign and, and see who's, you know, willing or, or who can dethrone me at that point. Um, but, but yeah, I just want to bring back good, solid wrestling to this NXT show. Not that there's not that, but there's a lot of, you know, people learning how to get their feet, feet wet. And then there's a lot of guys who are, are willing to go out and kill it. And, and I think I'm a, among one of those guys who wants to go out and kill it. One of those guys who got their feet wet and found himself in the deep end in a relatively short period of time would be Braun Breaker. I mean, the NXT 2.0 rebrand, obviously, uh, it has its fans. It has its people that weren't necessarily fans of it. But one thing nobody will deny is it really set the stage for the arrival of Braun Breaker, the man who you dethrone for the NXT championship. Compare and contrast sort of your journeys. I know you spent time on the independence. You yourself just told us how when you arrived, you weren't really sure how things were going to shake out and you had to wait and make your own opportunities. Ron Breaker comes from a lineage. He is a Steiner, a Hall of Fame lineage. Um, what have you had to do differently versus a, a Braun Breaker to get to the same level? Mm, I don't know. I don't really compare him and I in, in very many ways. Like I, I think we have a lot of similarities. Like I give him credit a lot of times too, because and a lot of guys, like when you get the ball, you know, anyone can get the ball. It's a matter of like, can you run it? Can you score? Can you continuously, you know, be consistent and get, you know, first downs and get touchdowns, um, things like that. So, I mean, that's why with Braun, it's like I see more similarities and I do differences in a lot of ways because it's like, man, uh, I know the pressure that he felt. And I'm hoping he knows the pressure that I felt where, you know, Sean was like, hey, you know, and, and there's other guys too, Grayson Waller, you know what I mean? But Tony D'Angelo, that they were like, hey, you guys are, are going to be our guys. Let's get this thing off the ground especially during the era where 2.0, where people were kind of like, ah, you know, nah, it's not our old, you know, NXT. But, um, I mean, as far as Braun Breaker's journey, you know, like I said, man, I had to have respect for him because it's like he got the ball and he ran it. And, and he handled it, you know, he handled it with poise. And, and you can't deny that because it's not easy to be the champion with freaking six months experience. You know what? He can tackle when he doesn't have the ball. <laughs> that's for sure. When you look back at Tuesday night, not sure how your ribs are doing right now, but Mike, God, can he move? Can he move fast? And he, he took you out and it's all building now beautifully toward battleground. For you, this promises to be an emotional affair because you're champ, right? You're bringing your championship, but you're bringing it home to Massachusetts. Is this going to be a Zelina Vega in Puerto Rico or Sami Zayn in Montreal moment for you here in NXT? Yeah, he's definitely screwed, man. He, he's not going to get out of there alive. I'm telling you, and I think that's the, the best thing about this whole thing is now it's like the roles are more definitive. You know, because there was a lot of respect going into that. And and now it's like, you know, not that I don't respect him, but, you know, he, he pissed me off, man. And I'm, I'm really getting tired of this showing up and, 
and him doing me like that, um, especially being champion, you know, I don't, man, like, I need to stand my ground. So I think that this is what this match at Battleground is is more about. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily as much about the championship anymore. Um, I think it's more personal than that with Braun. Um, you know, I think he has a personal issue with me. Uh, he does. He he said it himself. He doesn't really care about that championship. It was a curse to him. You know, what I mean, he he's thrived more without that championship. Um, but you got to remember, he's thrived at my expense, and, and that's not okay with me. And, you know, so I think that at Battleground, it's kind of like I need to get it back. You know, and I need to get my lick back, as as kids will say, KP. What that means is that, you know, you know, he did me dirty. It's coming right back to him, a good old fashioned receipt. So he's going to see me in Lowell and uh, he's going to have a hard time, man, because these people are not going to let him hit him breathe at all. Uh, I put in a lot of work in that city. I put a lot of work in that state um, before I even got to WWE. So uh, it's going to be special, uh, definitely not for him, but for me. You said you think he has a personal issue with you. Why? I mean, he seems like he doesn't want the championship anymore. He just wants to take me down every chance that he gets. You know what I mean? It seems like it's every time I show up in the ring or every time, you know, they come after my match with Grayson Waller and just to take me down and for what? You know what I mean? And for what? That's where I'm at. Like, kind of, you know, what is it? Like, if it's not about the championship, you know, is it because he got embarrassed? You know, he, he took that loss to me. I stand and deliver. You know, he, he thought he was untouchable and, and he got touched. So uh, I guess that's where, you know, we're going to have to figure out at Battleground what this really is about. And then beating up my boy Trick multiple times. Like, come on, man. Well, we're talking about the importance of heading back to your roots, to, to the Worcester area. Uh, someone else very near and dear to me in my life is from the greater Worcester area. Uh, but yeah. much, much like Carmella, you would not know that from seeing Carmelo Hayes on screen, much like Carmella on screen is the princess of Staten Island. But what were, what are some of your biggest influences, uh, that, that has helped develop the Carmelo Hayes that the, the globe gets to know as opposed to the kid who grew up in the Worcester area? Sure. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's sports, it's music, it's everything pop culture, it's everything culture. Um, like I said earlier about looking at the landscape of, WWE, NXT, I was like, what's missing? I was like, you know what's missing is like modern day, you know, what's hot today? And Sean and I go back and forth a lot of times because, you know, respectfully, he doesn't know, you know, a lot of things about today's, you know what I mean? He was cool as hell in the 90s, you know, when it was, the attitude was cool and everybody right. had that angst. Um, but in today, it's like, there's so many little things that I'm sure he's probably like, I don't know, like what these kids are doing, but I do. So that's what I wanted to bring to TV. That's what I wanted to bring to Carmelo Hayes character. Um, just to give, you know, a certain different, you know, flavor to what we're, we know as pro wrestling and not be so pro wrestling. And that's, that's such an important aspect of this game because I, I run into that. You know, I still fancy myself like, oh, I'm, I'm cool. I'm hip. I know what's cool. But realistically, just the age gap between you and I, Carmelo, is what, probably 10, 11. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 28. Okay, you're 28, so I 11 years. I got 11 years on you. I think, oh yeah, I'm I'm on. I know pop culture. I know what music's hot. But there's such a drop off, and it's so important to have people within who are pushing and can say, hey, listen, I know that may have been how you did it, but that's not how we do it anymore. I, but I think that's don't lose that, man. I'm saying because in in this business, it's as creative as anything, and you're going to have 50 different opinions. And sometimes the prevailing opinion is just going to be because the guy has been there the longest. It's not necessarily the most impactful. So that like kudos to you, man. That's very important to, to keep, keep that inside you and fight for it. Is there, has, has there been anything you can share with us where you went, Hey, I want to do this. And went, what are you crazy? No way. And then you ended up getting, getting away with it. There's a lot. Oh, so you're, you're a, you're a <laughs> ask for forgiveness, not permission kind of guy. Mm, I asked for permission and then I'll ask for forgiveness too. It's bad. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to double down. No, I think with Sean, him and I have that relationship where it's like, hey, hey, Sean, I think this will be really cool. Or I want to say that. But he more or less is like, is it going to benefit what we're trying to do? Or do you just want to say it to say it? Or do you just want to do it to do it? That's the one thing that I learned now that I'm as I'm maturing here is like, there's a lot of things I just wanted to say, like rest in um, you know, like first 48. Just it sounds cool, right? Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, nobody's talking like that, like things like that and dressing like this and acting like that. And, but then I realized, I'm like, okay, well, if it's not going to further our story, it's not going to further our, you know, mission. And I got to look at NXT as a whole, you know, and the brand and the TV show and sponsor. You know, I don't ever want to represent the, the brand in a negative way because I want to say something that's like a little edgy or whatever. So I learned to kind of like, 
pick my fights. I still go up. I me and him, we still, yeah, we still go back and forth with it. But he, he come on, you can let it out. You can let it out. <laughs> no, he respects that about me. I know I'm a pain in the ass, man. I know, like he, me and him, you know, I know he's probably like, dude, chill, like chill. But I can't help it, I, and he knows that. Like I just care a lot. I'm very passionate, so it's like he knows that and respects it. Not to sell anyone down the river, but there are plenty of people that are surrounding us at all times who've got plenty of stories about how HBK was never ready to slow down or just wait. He wanted what he wanted when he, you know, it's one of those things. I see a little bit too much of you in, or a little bit too much of myself in you. And, and, and see, and that's the thing, like Sean had mentioned something similar about it. He's like, how can I tell you no when I would go to bat for like these same things? So it's like, he sees a lot of like that sort of like, uh, I want to just, I just want to be so great but you don't know how to really express it. Um, so, I mean, he has a lot of grace with me, thankfully. But at the same time, it's like I got to pick my fights because, like, I you know, I win about two out of ten. <laughs> In this business, that's not a terrible record. <laughs> no, exactly. Melo, you picked a little fight early February that I don't know if you're ever going to win. Oh, with the KP, Princess I was going to be nice. Over on Twitter. <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring it up. No, I got to bring Melo it up. I squat. It's fine. I it's bring it up. You're trying to, this is what Two KP does. Two cannot coexist. No, no. Yeah, see? <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Carmella takes to Twitter. Can someone please tell Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams to stop using my yeah. catchphrase? You then respond, you cheeky fella. And you say, which one? To be honest, I have a lot. You're winding up the gravy hey, household there in Pittsburgh. I was trying to keep it cool. I sat right beside her on the couch when that tweet was sent. And I went, well, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> hey, you, got, you want to make an omelet? You got to break a few eggs, right? It's all water under the bridge. It's water under the bridge. Uh, no, I thought it was funny because uh, the fans are the ones that say that. You know what I mean? It's like the fans are the ones. I think we may have mentioned it like, looks like money, walks like money, is money. Um, but the fans, like, so I was just like, they had a field day. Me and Melo were just chilling, but they had a right. field day with it. Hey, hey let them have their fun, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but to that point, well, you're a man of many catchphrases, but the one right now that's red hot, that's everywhere is it, I am him. Melo is him. Talk to us a little bit about what that phrase means for, for those old heads of us who aren't uh, necessarily in tune with culture. Sure. Uh, so it's really the journey of my progression in a way. Um, there was a period in time where I had the North American Championship and I was calling myself the A-Champ. Um, meaning like at that time, like I truly believed I was the most important champion on the brand. So for a long time, it was like, you know, the A-champ, the A-champ, the A-champ. And then I had kind of like, when I lost the championship, I'd kind of gone on to the uh, one of one. I'd try to call myself to kind of get that, you know, started like, hey, there's only one of me. And then on the journey to get the NXT title was really, for me, it was like, hey, I'm the guy. I'm him. Like, if anybody's going to be the guy, if anybody's going to take that title, if anybody's going to do it, it's me. I am him. So that's where that whole him thing really kind of came from, where it was like, nah, I'm, you can't deny me. I'm the guy. And especially in sport, and it's, it's another thing going back to pop culture and sports. Uh, him is very popular right now. Like a lot of guys, you know, when they do something, you know, like great, you know, they, they self-proclaim themselves. I am him. Like I did that. I'm the one. I'm the guy. I am him. So, and, it, and it, I think it carries weight. I like it because it's such a simple, you know, it's him. That's him. It's one of those catchphrases where if you've never seen Carmelo Hayes, but within a few seconds, you, you understand it fits it. It all makes sense and ties together. It's not just to your point earlier. It's not just cool for the sake of being cool. It fits the entire package. And that's, that's the utmost importance, man. Thank you. Yeah. You got to back it up and you've certainly done that so far. Can't just say it. We're all wired differently when it comes to ambition and goals. Do you focus simply now on, on, on background and you're, you're, you're looking at the few weeks ahead or are you a 10 year type guy and, and, and you've set certain goals within WWE? Where's your head at? Uh, at one point, yeah, I was like, I'm looking at, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then, um, again, going back to Sean, uh, he gave me like a really like, he's like, Hey man, you need to build brick by brick. He's like, you guys, young people, they want to do everything so fast and they want to change so quickly. And they want to, you know what I mean? They're always looking at what's next, what's next, what's next. And it's a, you got to just, focus on what's in front of you. He's like, you can't build a house. Give me a great analogy about that. He's like, you have to do it brick by brick. He's like, you can't start putting a roof on before you build the foundation. And, and that's just a young, you know, and that's a young person thing that I, I'm when I tell you about hitting that wall, 
that has a lot to do with that hitting that wall is realizing I'm like, I'm trying to build a freaking roof and I don't even have the the bottom floor yet. <laughs> so it's like, that was a big thing as far as my ambition. So I'm just focused on the process. I'm just focused on what's in front of me right now. I know what's for me is for me and it's not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, the best I can do is work on exactly what's in front of me right now. Well, man, you're doing a great job. Allow us to uh, pass on our appreciation for everything that you're doing right now. Good luck. Thanks, Corey. NXT Battleground, May 28th. That's Sunday night, streaming on Peacock on the WWE Network. The night after Night of Champions, Carmelo Hayes defends his NXT Championship against Braun Breaker. Melo, any final words? Uh, no, I'm good. I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, everybody tune into that. Hey, man, I got to get my lick back. Uh, just stay tuned, man. Braun, man, all those times that he did me dirty. I'm telling you, KP, getting my lick back. Look that up on Google. Get the lick back. Use it on Raw. <laughs> Mello, Mello, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at uh, Carmelo underscore WWE on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget, Mello is money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start charging royalties for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Happy Mother's Day to all celebrating this weekend. We could not do any of this without you, quite literally. So we hope it's a beautiful day wherever and however you are celebrating. And make sure you're listening for free to ATB wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and smash the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of After the Bell available on WWE's official YouTube channel each and every Monday. We'll be back next week with more wisdom. More vitriol and more WWE after the bell.